is we're starting a new series, okay? Like I said earlier, we ended a series called The Good, The Bad, Then The Ugly. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful ending, I think, understanding the goodness of God. Can't go wrong with understanding that God is good, right? And you can't go wrong with understanding that even in the midst of the most difficult situations, He's still good. Today, though, we're starting something new that is something old. What does that mean? Every year, we love to refresh folk on why we exist as a church and what we're all about, okay? Because this is what you have to be able to share with others when you say, hey, come hang out with me. Come go to church with me on Sunday. I want to take you somewhere. These folks are really good. Love them a bunch. And here's the thing that we love about them is this. They love God. They love people. And they're here to create community. See, we're getting back to this thing called CORE. You may have your beliefs and went through a partnership class that we called CORE. But every year we're going to revisit this as our core beliefs, our core convictions as a church, what we're about, what we need to be about nonstop. One of the things that the Holy Spirit has convicted me about lately is this. Our church needs to be a place of even greater prayer as well. Pat, can I get an amen on that, who leads our prayer ministry? We're praying every Sunday morning, 8.30, right? Uh, right now, it's up in the family room. We're going to move in that downstairs here very soon to our, our library area as well. But we need to be about prayer. We need to be about worship, right? We need to be about worship. We need to be about discipleship. We need to be about these key things so that we can see this loving God, loving people, and this community aspect happening every single day of every single week and every single one of your lives. So what about today? Where are we going to start with this? Literally, y'all wrestled like crazy for the last week, and even more so last night as I had something planned, if you will, and the Lord's like, whoop, flipping the script at 12 a.m. So... If we're a little delusional, we are meaning me, that's okay. Okay, the Word of God will speak for itself for us. But there is something today that I want to share that I think is absolutely essential for us to get. I think it's essential for every church, but the church to understand. It is important for us to have in our knower every single day and every single way. What is that about? What is this thing that we have to understand? That we have to have this thing called Unity. And how does that happen? Unity comes by way and through surrender. Okay, we're going to build up to that as we conclude with communion, as you saw before you today, the ultimate act of surrender, that of Jesus. But unity through surrender. And this is so important for us. This has to be a trademark of the church and of our church. Before we get, and I mean this, this is a heart thing, before we get to praying, before we get to worshiping, before we get to making disciples, there has to be a heart of surrender and humility, okay? So where we're going to go today is we're looking in the book of John, and I love the book of John, one of my favorites, and uh, we're going to work through this a little bit, uh, really just John 15, one of my favorite passages, you may have heard it spoken here before, uh, you've seen it maybe titled The Vine and the Branches in your Bible as you've read before, um, but I'm going to give you some background to this, because I think that's so important, whenever we divide the word, we got to look what's on both sides of it, right? When we look into a portion of scripture, we have to look at the context of scripture context is everything right when we're looking at scripture in this way all right so let's give you a little bit of background we see jesus hanging out with his boys at what's called the last supper you may have seen that picture before right jesus is like and they're like 
right? It's like, I, th- I thought I saw a dab in there one time with one. That was probably Judas because he was on his way out. Um, I'll be here all week. Um, hashtag pastor jokes, all right? The dad jokes are even worse. We'll get to those later. But the context is the Last Supper uh, that Jesus is spending time with his disciples, his boys that he's done ministry with. And at this supper, he he says some things that I think are very important. And I'm going to challenge you to go back in the book of John and read these for yourself and build up to vine and branches later, okay? But I'm going to give you a flyover version. He tells his disciples about how Judas is about to betray him. He predicts Peter's denial. Man, wonderful conversation to have over dinner, isn't it? You ever had those family dinners before where it's like, well, you did this, and everybody starts throwing food. It's like, well, this was a good meal. Glad we planned this, Dad. All right? He challenged his disciples not to be troubled, rather to trust in God and trust in him. He tells the old boy doubting Thomas that I am the way and the truth and the life. Some of these things you'll remember that you've heard before, right? Some of these pop up a little bit in your mind. Tells Philip that he himself, Jesus himself, is the Father, right? Is in the Father and the Father is in him. Then he also says to these guys sitting around the table, anyone who has faith in me, I love this, will do greater things. That is one of the most uh, puzzling scriptures to me. Uh, for many years it was until I, I feel like, a, oh, I see what he means. He's saying that everybody in the Foundry Church right now in this building, okay, because each of you are going to be doing the things that he did, together we will do greater things. It was a numeric thing. So he's saying to these guys, hey, listen, What's going to happen through you and who you are going to help along the way? Greater things than what I've done. He gave his disciples the promise, come on now, of the Holy Spirit to live in them, to dwell richly within them, to help him. What does he do? He's inside of you. He helps you make the right decisions. He helps you to do the right thing. He helps you to to go over to this person that may need help that you would normally ignore and say hello and how may I help you. He does these things within you, but he would also give them strength for this journey that they would have ahead. And he challenges them once more to obey his teaching of loving God and loving others. So important. Loving God and loving others. And then he closes out his table talk conversation with helping them to understand that it's about to get real. Guys, it's about to go down. You know, because before it was like hanging out with Jesus for three years You know, healing the blind, helping the lame to walk. Man, how cool would that be, right? Who wouldn't sign up for that? I would love that. Him multiplying food and everybody, they're all hungry and all of a sudden they're all full, you know, because Jesus is making all kinds of loaves and fishes kind of thing. Remember that when you were a kid growing up? That stuff's awesome. Watching Jesus go up in the temple and set people straight, that's legit. I would have loved to have been a part of that. But then he says, guys, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be leaving here, and the way you're going to do greater things is because I'm going to be gone. The way you're going to do these things will be by way of my spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit living in you. It's about to get real. So he leaves them with something that I think is so important in understanding as myself, I get completely an avid gardener of one tomato plant and one pepper plant. (laughs) Thank you, Pat. All right. The vine and the branches. I'm telling you guys, I'm amazing at farming. One tomato plant and one pepper plant. He says this to them. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will it may be even more that it will be even more that it will be even more fruitful. What he's saying here right off the bat. He's saying here right off the bat is look, my father is the true gardener and I am the vine. Jesus is placing the importance upon the father in one's life, but also helping you to understand and me to understand and his disciples that day that every single one of you are a branch. Every single one of you. Can you make your best branch? Make your best branch. Go ahead. Is that Some people are like this. That's not a branch. Make your best branch. Get up in your neighbor's space. It's okay. That's pretty good. It's just interactive. Make your best branch, okay? Branch out. Wow, that was, Paul, that's good. We call that the praise branch. Hallelujah. All right, as long as it's not the Davidian branch, we're good. Okay. You'll get that later. Go back in the podcast and you can hear to that. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So what Jesus is saying to his disciples here, guys, branches, you've already been pruned. That's what that cleaning part is he's talking about here. Because I've spoken to you. I've done life with you. I've told you the truth. We have an understanding that you are a branch, that you are in me, and that I have pruned you. Okay? But then he says something that I think is so important that's going to be a trademark throughout what we share today. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. His job, his goal the destination of everybody's life is to bear fruit. Told you I was a farmer of a single tomato plant. Well, the kids were outside playing one day. I don't know if I told Pat because she helped me get this thing going. The kids were outside playing one day, and Aiden threw a football from way out because he's got a gun, okay? Rising star. All right, threw a football from way out, and all of a sudden it came over to the, to the tomato plant and hit right in the V of the plant and split it. Oh, but wait, there's more. As a good gardener would do, I pulled out some zip ties, didn't have duct tape, pulled out some zip ties and those, those planting poles that I had before when I tied up stuff before, staked that bad boy in the ground, put a zip tie on it loosely so that it could hold itself up by way of support and continue. Hopefully, hopefully that branch would bear fruit. Can I tell you something amazing? There's all kinds of tomatoes on that side. Okay, I know, can you believe it, Pat, powerful plants, good job, okay? No, no, no claps over that, that's nothing special, okay? Because what we're talking about here is if, if, if that plant, okay, wasn't pulled back up, if that branch wasn't pulled back up, if it wasn't tied back in, if it didn't remain in the vine, we wouldn't be sharing this joy this morning. Go ahead and laugh on that. So he says this. We'll get back to that. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That sounds exciting. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Again, you hear Jesus saying here, guys, ladies, us, my goal is that you bear much 
fruit. Bear much fruit. Okay? As my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. You hear this remain again. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life, right? One's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. He said, I have lived with you. I have showed you things. Everything I know that's so important for me as a father to share what I know with my children so that when they get older, they don't make the same mistakes that I made, which were plentiful. Okay? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and at the pointed and pointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. He ends with this. Love each other. So we see here and I'm going to just glean a few things before we receive communion this morning here soon that we have to remain in Christ. Are you listening to me? We have to remain in Christ. But me, naturally how I read into the whole context of what's going on here, I was, I'm thinking like the disciples were thinking then. They're like, you just told us that you would be leaving. I know you were talking about the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff. But uh, things are a little foggy here as to how I'm supposed to remain in you. This is a little off base for me, possibly. How many of us have felt that way in life? Sometimes we don't feel like we're on a spiritual high and the Holy Spirit is knocking down our door saying, I'm here, you know, kind of thing. And you're just tiptoeing through the tulips and just floating like an inch off the ground everywhere you go. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Fun. Sometimes you feel like it's the nitty gritty. It's the down and dirty. It's not very happy. It's not very fun. It doesn't feel like he's present in this way. And he's asking you, he's pleading with you, remain in me. Remain in me. Well, his spirit has come and we are able to remain in him. So what are the benefits of this? Why does he say this? It's important for us to understand first and foremost that if we remain in him, and we see this in verse 4, he will remain in us. And I think that is so important and it's something that we will just run over quickly. We'll read over this quickly. He says, remain in me and I also in you. And I think we forget that so quickly and that it's just the, 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 the beginning of a verse where we get into like the, the branch and all this kind of stuff. We get into this fruit side of things and all that. But this remaining thing sometimes is so difficult because we don't think that he's actually in us too. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like it was just you doing life without God present? You ever felt like, oh, I'm trying to remain in you, but I don't feel you remaining in me. And this is important for us to get and to understand as truth in the word of God from Jesus' lips that God will remain in you. Are you with me on this? And are you getting the importance of understanding that God desires to be in your life at every point, at every time, regardless of what's happening? What does it mean to remain? To abide, to stay, to continue on, to endure, to live. He wants to live in you, and he has a will for your life that he wants to see and come to pass within you. Second thing is when we remain in Jesus, it's important, y'all. When we remain in Jesus, our lives will show it. Verse 5, 
He said, I'm the vine and the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. We're getting back to that fruit side of things. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That seems pretty self-explanatory as what we're supposed to do to get fruit, huh? Remain in him. My kiddos, you know, it's kind of hard for Andy to go out. Andalyn's our youngest. It's kind of hard for her to go to Panera and say, hello, my name is Andalyn Myers. I'd like to apply for a job. How old are you? I am six. Appreciate your tenacity and your desire, but man, we can not hire. <laughs> okay, she could hold her own. Not saying it, trust me, she can hold her own. Okay, she's tough. But the thing is this, I just want to tell her, baby girl, I got you. You don't have to go and try to do it on your own. You stay with daddy and you'll have everything that you need. You will bear much fruit in your life. Apart from me, when you try to do it on your own, you are and you will gain nothing. So we're talking about fruit and what it looks like. We see this in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. These are the things that we get when we're with the Father. These are the things that Jesus had in his life. These are the things that will show in our lives as we remain in Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, right? Patience, which is also forbearance, as it's been said before. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is, this, what, is, what is this fruit of the Spirit thing? And what are these things that we will possess? What is this fruit that he's talking about here? I don't know about you guys, but I would love to have love all the time. Sometimes I don't love. Sometimes I'm not happy. Sometimes I don't feel like loving. But when we are in him, we will act like him. We will have love, which is goodwill towards others. How about joy? How about joy? This is important for us, isn't it? Joy. This is when we recognize the grace of God in our lives. What could have happened? He held that back from us. That gives us joy, right? Peace. What is peace? That is wholeness. Have you ever noticed when everything's hitting on all eight? That is a, a, a term about vehicles. No, V8, eight cylinders. All eight are firing. When everything's in order and running together in your life, doesn't it feel great? You don't have that all the time either. No, okay. Don't you feel just an overwhelming sense of peace? Like when you wake up in the morning, everything's in its place. For me, I love mornings that are just calm and tranquil. That doesn't happen with children. Because you wake up and you step on a shoe. And then you fall on your back, and you fall on the shoe, and then the shoe pokes you in the back, and then you didn't even have coffee yet, so you, you, yeah, it's not good. Patience. What is this patience? This is being patient before expressing anger. I never thought of it that way. Being patient, calming down before you lash out so that you make the right decision. Kindness, which is a moral goodness, a relative moral goodness around you. You see this in that way, but also gentleness, oh, excuse me, I don't want to spit, uh, go over goodness itself because this is that intrinsic goodness that we have. And then gentleness, which is that gentle strength. And then self-control, which is self-mastery by and through the power of the Lord. See, with Him, we will bear that type of fruit. Apart from Him, and you can read that as well for yourself in Galatians 5, you'll be left to all kinds of terrible things, the opposite of all this stuff. See, he wants you to live life through the Spirit, right? Live life with him so that you will have fruit in you. And not just a little bit of fruit, but a lot of fruit. And it will be evident in our lives and how we show it. Third thing, as we remain in Jesus, 
Our character will support our requests. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Have you ever desired something in your life that you're not quite ready for? Anybody been there before? You, you don't typically realize that until you're that hindsight thing. All I wanted to do was drive. Anybody with me when you were 16? All you wanted to do was drive. All I wanted to do was get out of this house, right? Anybody, anybody understand what I'm talking about? I want my freedom, you know, freedom, whatever you did. I don't know how you did it. If you put on a kilt, it got really awkward. If you painted your face blue, even more awkward, okay? And it's, this is getting increasingly awkward because you're seeing yourself in a kilt with your face being blue saying freedom. But have you ever desired something you weren't ready for? I did that with driving. And I, I needed to mature a little bit more, okay? I needed to mature a little bit more probably before I got behind the wheel of that 1986 Subaru XT. looked like a spaceship inside. And on the outside, it looked like a cheese wedge. I loved my cheese wedge. <laughs> with my truck's bo truck box speakers in the back seat, pumping the Jensen. Mmm, Jensen, watch out. It was the deal. You know, it was just a couple days after I got my license that I was riding in my hot dog Subaru XT with uh, truck box speakers in the back seat, pumping those little six-inch woofers. Man, it was nasty. People were coming all around looking, just drooling over my car. Never. I was leaving school, and uh, I was really cool because that's when I smoked. I was really cool when I was in school, right? I smoked. Marble Lights, watch out. I was a cool kid, okay? Really cool, super cool. So cool that when I went to grab one of those bad boys that fell on the floor beside me onto the floor of my Subaru XT cheese wedge, truck box speakers in the back seat, pumping its six-inch woofers, y'all, tweets all over the place. Then I went to grab my tobacco love on the floor and didn't see my friend stop in front of me. So down in Virginia, they use salt, I mean, a sand on the roads, okay? And I don't know why it was sandy. But it, it was Sandy that day. And I pumped on the brakes, but they didn't have ABS because they didn't know what that meant back then. And I pumped on the brakes, and I found myself in the back end of a Ford Tempo. Those things are made well. Made well. <laughs> made well. Real metal. Real steel. Found myself in the back of that bad boy with a wrecked car, all deflated, upset. What did I have to do? This is the fun part. Go to the junkyard and buy a whole new front clip that was blue. So then I turned a, a nice white Subaru XT truck's box speakers in the back seat, pumping the sixes to a blue and white cheese wedge that everybody loved to look at from that day on. <laughs> See, my character, my character didn't support the ability to drive at that point. Because here I am trying to be cool and be like, hey, what's that? You know? And I end up running to the back of somebody. A friend of mine at that. Man, it was embarrassing. And when you think about when we, we, we ask God for things, as he's saying, ask her for whatever you wish. He's looking at the right heart in the process that your character can sustain. And that's what's so important about life. We have to have character that sustains our request. What does this mean, this character? It's based out of the fruit that you possess. See, if you have the right heart, if you remain in Christ, you will possess the fruit that we saw there. Therefore, if you have all that in place, you can ask him for anything because he says, this person loves me. They love me, and I can tell because they look like me, and their character is intact, so I will give them what they want in this way because when you ask him for things, the only things you're asking him for are things that will benefit others. Lord, 
Help me to, to pray for the sick and they be healed. I'll give you that. I don't know what to say. Lord, hey, give me a personal prayer language because I can't handle it sometimes on my own and I, I don't know what to say. I'll give you that. Lord, I, I am just, I, I need wisdom right now, God. You know I want to make the right decisions. I'll give you that. Not, Lord, mm, I've been playing Forza and there is a Bugatti on there that I think I need to really effectively minister. I can take the gospel faster to the world. I'm not giving you that. See what I'm saying? Character supports the requests that we have before the Lord. And now we see the gears switch a little bit. We see the gears switch within here as Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And he changes the conversation a little bit. John 15, 9 through 10. And he switches it to this love thing. Not talking about the fruits in this side, but just this love thing. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Guys, I have loved you for years now. I have loved you for years and I have proved my love to you over these years. In that, in that, I promise you my spirit. I promise you that you'll do greater things. I promise you that I'm going to love you, but it's your turn to remain in my love. As we remain in Jesus, we will remain in his love he says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus says, do as I have done. He was not exempt. He was not exempt of bearing the Father's fruit as well on earth. So he's saying to us, do what I did in your life. Do what I did. Stay in the Father. Stay in me. Remember, apart from me, you can do nothing. He's the gardener. He's the one that has made all the growth happen. Stay in. Remain. Abide. See, Jesus simplifies, you know, a conversation that he was having with some religious leaders. And I love the way Jesus handled religious people. How many of you guys think religious people sometimes make you all over the floor? You know, some of you might vomit because that's a really good impression of that happening. I'll stop there. Jesus felt the same way. When religious people came around and were all pious and excited about all of their clothing and all of their religion and their law and all this stuff, Jesus is like, okay, just to say, okay, guys, now, let me tell you what's most important. Let me do the boil down for you. I love Jesus' Cliff's Notes version of what we have to do. This is why the foundry has to do this too. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says, love Him. Love Him with everything in you. That's where we're going to stop for a second. Love Him with everything in you. When is the last time, think about it, that you loved God with everything in you? When's the last time you've loved God with your finances, with your security? You know, like the opposite of being insecurity. You've loved Him with all of your relationships. When's the last time you've loved Him with everything? With everything that you put Him first and everything. Your education, that's, that's a big deal, right guys? I remember that going through it myself, trying to figure things out. I just ended up failing out. That was more fun, Okay. But I went back and I got a degree, okay? I have to always clear that up because everybody thinks I just failed out, okay? I went back and I finished. But loving the Lord your God with everything, 
that is in you and everything that you have around you. When was the last time it was all on the table? We're going to take communion later again. And Jesus symbolically put it all on the table, but literally put it all on the table as he showed his love for us. His command was, was to love him first, to love God first. How often do we get that out of order? And he continues in this love conversation. He says this, when we remain in Christ's love, we experience complete joy. Think about that over the last month of your life. You can probably identify a few trials. You know, you can identify probably a few victories. You can identify a few like eh, times. You can identify some eh, times. You can identify the ebb and flow of your life over the last month. And did you have, tell me, complete joy in everything? I can tell you the truth. I have not. Why? Well, it says here, John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Told you what? That you're supposed to remain in his love. Have I always, and it's hard to do, in the past remained in his love? Have I always chosen to receive his love? And have I always chosen to have character and act out of his love? No, not at all. Not at all. So has my joy been complete? Mm -mm. See, joy and happiness are different. Sometimes we're like, I just need to be happy. Well, go buy yourself a new pair of shoes and you'll be happy. I just need to be happy. No, no, no. You're looking for joy. You're looking for joy. And you can't find joy in a new pair of shoes, although they do feel nice. Okay? You can't find joy in a new vehicle. Okay? It may drive amazing, have amazing sound system in it. Truck box speakers with six-inch subs. It may have all of that. But that's not joy. You may go from relationship to relationship to relationship, and you may find increments of happiness along the way, but that's not joy. Joy comes by being happy with just Him. Right? Content. Remaining in just Him. Because if He's not enough, nothing else ever will be. He wants His joy to be complete in us. He wants us to be whole. He also says this, as we remain in Christ, love and joy. Jesus says, as you remain in my love and joy, this is where the rubber meets the road, y'all. Verse 12. Jesus says, I'm going to give you verse 12. He didn't say that. This is the conversation. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. See, this is the action side of the fruit, the character, the, the dwelling with him, the remaining in him. How we learn to love others. Is it hard to love others? You just made a list of 15 people that it's hard to love. Didn't you? You're like, no. Mm, about 37. Okay, about 62. Okay, um, there's one of you and 62 of them. Let's, let's talk about this. Learning to love others. See, when Jesus finished that, uh, that conversation that he was having with those religious leaders, he says something like this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He says, love God with everything. And then he says this. This is the first and greatest, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Why do you think for us as a church, we try to keep it as simple as possible? 
Love God, love people. Great community is our take on make disciples through connect groups and through ministry and things like that. Jesus told us to do it. If we are really in his love and we have his joy and we have good character and we have all these things in place, it'll be easy for us to love our neighbors. But this is probably one of the most difficult things we will ever, ever, ever venture to do in our lives is love our neighbor as ourselves. But see, it's so important here that we get something that you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. So as our worship team comes up and we get ready for communion and everybody comes to help get communion going as well. And you, can, you guys can start distributing the elements even now because it sometimes can take a little bit of time. So as soon as you come up, you can start distributing that. But just stay tuned in with me, okay? Listen in still. Why is it so hard sometimes to love your neighbor? Because you don't love yourself well at all. Is that difficult after all you've been through and all that you've seen? To love yourself? You know, when you, when you lay down at night, even if somebody's beside you, you're by yourself, aren't you? All of the things that has happened and that has been, been going on in your life begin to process through your head, and they begin to run at a race, a pace that is about crazy as can be, right? Anybody with me on this? And it begins to go and to perpetuate and to perpetuate, and you find yourself not loving yourself. This isn't some self-help message. This isn't like, love yourself and the world will be a better place. <laughs> oh, man, we watched a tiny house thing the other day, and this girl was like, Three sheets to the wind crazy, okay? I was like, wow, your aura is not the only thing that's off, okay? <laughs> Bless you. Self. But why is it so important that Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself? Because if you don't receive the Father's love, and if you don't love yourself in that love and remain in that love, it'll be difficult for you to love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes it's difficult for us because we make it hard for ourselves to love our neighbor as ourself. I've done that before, many times, about daily. <laughs> I make it hard on myself sometimes because of myself. Insecurity, lack of humility, right? Lack of transparency about what I feel. I'm, I'm about the most transparent you can find, but still, there's things in there that make it hard. For me to love my neighbor as myself. Well, see, what I love about this, and I love us, you know, starting this series with communion, is we have an opportunity for change. That's what this is all about. You know, because Jesus was getting up there and he left that table experience with his disciples and he was taking them on that walk, they think, to the Garden of Gethsemane. So they may have seen some, some vines and some branches along the way with some fruit on that vine and that branch. And he began to say, look, guys, you see that? That's fruit. You remain in me, that's what you'll have. You remain in my love, that's what you'll have. You have the character, that's what you'll have. Remain, remain, abide, live. But you got to keep your relationship with the Lord healthy. When you do, it will not be a problem of loving yourself. Nor will it be a problem of loving others. Maybe that strikes a nerve with you this morning. 
Everything was fun and happy until we got to this point. That whole abiding stuff and all that and remaining was easy. But now I've stepped on your toes reading scripture about loving someone in the midst of a difficult time or someone that you don't necessarily like. And it hurts a little bit. All it does, and this is what we're supposed to do today. And I'm going to read this to you from Paul's word, words in 1 Corinthians. He says, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, and this is where the rubber meets the road, you guys. We, we, we understand what the bread and the cup mean, but this is where the rubber meets the road. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What does that mean? A proclamation of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He says, you have a proclamation you are giving of the Lord's death until he comes. And here's where it really starts to stick. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. What does that mean? Salvation is for you. Rededication, if you will, is for you. A fresh opportunity, right? To pursue the Lord is for you. Because what Jesus is saying here is you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to stop sinning. To ask for forgiveness. To turn your life around through Him. You have an opportunity to become new. All right? A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So we have before us what we call the body and what we call the blood. These are not the actual body and blood of Christ. These are the elements. These are the elements that remind us of what we are supposed to do as we take these things, remembering that we're supposed to remain in the vine so that we can bear fruit, understanding that he was crushed, that he was his body in this way, right? Took on the punishment so that we could be whole, that we can repent and find forever in him that his body was broken so that we may be whole, right? That, that he took it for you. So that you can remain. So that you can actually love yourself. So that you can actually love others. But you got to love him first. So Jesus reminds us in this moment, do this in remembrance of me. So with me this morning, has everybody been served? Okay. With me this morning, hold up this piece of bread. You're like, it's an oyster cracker. I'm aware. It's Kroger brand, so it's holy. But what needs to be put back together? What needs to be whole in your life? Was his body broken for nothing? 
Or was it broken for just you in this moment? Because he'd do it again just for you. But we're not going to waste it. And we're not going to take it for granted. So I believe in this moment you have the right heart. You have the right character. If you need God to heal you in some sort of way and make you whole. When you partake of this, symbolically, it's a faith move that you're believing that God is going to restore. Okay? So do me a favor and close your eyes with me. God, we thank you that you sent your only begotten son with a tremendous amount of love for us who was willing to be broken for our sin, broken for, for our transgressions, broken that his, his flesh was ripped from his body, Lord, so that we could be whole, that we can be complete, that our joy could be complete. So whatever we need this morning, we ask with the right heart and the desire to remain in you that we would be made whole. As we remember what you did, we will remain whole. This morning we partake of the bread. If you haven't, partake with me. And now, Lord, this morning we hold this cup that is symbolic of the blood that was spilled. So often we forget, Lord, that your desire for us is heaven. So often we, we look at our lives and we think we're going through hell, that this is the worst thing ever, and that where is God? He's not present. So often we think that we're alone in this. But we know Jesus. We know, Jesus, that you, you spilled your blood so that we can be whole, but also that we can be saved. And this morning, we ask for repentance, which means we turn from a life that we were choosing to live before and we turn to you. And we ask for forgiveness as we turn toward you. And we look in your eyes, Jesus, and we see the sacrifice. Lord, we see the nail-scarred hands. We see the, 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 where your flesh was torn and, and, and that are scars left behind. And we say thank you that you have forever with us, with you in heaven. We thank you in Jesus' name. Partake with me this morning. Lord, we thank you.